Tonight, all right, we're starting out a brand new series called the, the Beatitudes. Everyone say Beatitudes. Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes, just so you know, it's, they're found in Matthew chapter 5. And Matthew 5 is kind of the beginning of probably Jesus' not probably, it is Jesus' most uh, famous message, right? It's called the Sermon on the Mount, right? And here Jesus tells us all sorts of different things, right? But what it boils down to is Jesus is telling us how to live a, a, a fulfilled and happy life. Right, when we look at the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, each section starts with the words, blessed are the blank. Right? And, and, and so when we read this, right, we, we understand that Jesus is talking to the people 2,000 years ago. But if we're being honest with ourselves, not much has changed in 2,000 years. Right? The people that Jesus was speaking to, they wanted to live a life that was happy and fulfilled. They wanted, they wanted to live a blessed life. 2,000 years later, when we're, we're sitting here right now, right? We still want to live that whatever, you know, the hashtag blessed, right? We want to be blessed, right? We just want to live a blessed life, right? We, we crave this, right? We don't want to live a boring life. We want to live a blessed life. And most people, right, like we, we struggle with this. And when we look at the word blessed, uh, it means two things. It means happy. And it means fulfilled. That is what blessed means, or to be, to be blessed means to be happy and fulfilled. Right, so when we read these verses in Matthew 5, right, we could read them as happy and fulfilled are the blank. Right? We could change those words out. At the end of the day, Jesus is telling us how we can live a life that is happy and fulfilled. Now, we live in a world, let's just be honest with the world we live in and understand the culture that we're in. We live in a world that says, hey, if you want to be happy and fulfilled, in order to live a life that is blessed, you have to buy this, you have to do that, you have to participate in this trend, you have to be this type of person, you have to look this certain type of way. You have to have this particular body type or whatever else it is. The list could go on and on of the things that culture and the world say. If you want to be happy, do this. Be this. Look like this. Right? Culture puts us in these boxes. But when we compare what the world says about what leads to happiness, and we compare it to what Jesus is saying here leads to happiness, it it's a little countercultural. And maybe for us, it's a, it's a little confusing. But that's the point. What Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes is countercultural. Right? The Beatitudes are countercultural, which means that what Jesus is saying here in the beginning of Matthew 5 goes against every single thing that culture is telling you. And if you haven't caught on yet, Pretty much everything that Jesus says in the Bible goes against what culture says today. The bi- right, not just the Beatitudes, Jesus is countercultural. Right? We've talked about over the last two months in one way, shape, or form that if you want to live for Jesus, you can't live in the world, right? Because Jesus, he's the complete opposite of what culture teaches us. So let's start reading the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, and then tonight we're just going to focus on one. We're going to focus on one Beatitude and how that can apply to us. So you have your Bible, uh, turn to Matthew 5, we're going to read verses 3 through 11, it's on the screens, it's on your notes, 
Read this with me. We're going to read it in uh, the New International Version, switching it up tonight. Here's what it says. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the what? Meek. Meek. Circle that word, meek. Circle the word meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those, guys, these two verses right here, change your life. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, get this, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. All right, tonight, I had you circle that word meek, because tonight, that's the word we're going to focus on. Tonight, we're going to focus on verse 5, where Jesus says the words, blessed are the meek. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but the word meek isn't exactly a word that I ever use in like my daily vocabulary. I don't know about you, but I don't just go around saying, yo, what up? I'm meek, right? Like nobody does that, okay? If you do, you're weird, okay? Nobody says that, okay? No, nobody walks around going, I'm meek unless you're meek mill, right? That's the only person that goes around saying, what up? I'm meek. Uh, but when we look at what the word meek means, it's really powerful because meekness, meekness means to be content and surrendered, content and surrendered. I want to read another translation for you and it's out of the message version. And I just love the way that it's translated here. It says, you're blessed when you're content, get this, with just who you are. You're blessed when you're what? No, content, right? Content. Circle the word content. You skipped over it. Blessed are those, blessed are you when you're content with just who you are. No more, underline that, no more, no less, underline that. That's the moment, get this, Jesus says that's the moment when you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. So Jesus says, blessed are those who are content. Blessed are those who are content. Now to me, this is completely countercultural. Right? We just walked through the list where we said, hey, these are the things that culture says you have to do. None of those lead to being content. All of those in one way, shape, or form have you wanting more, doing more, trying to be more than you are. But Jesus says here in Matthew 5, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. Right? Culture says in, in order to be happy, keep buying. Keep buying. Keep doing. Keep improving. Keep trying to be better. I don't know about you. Uh, some of you, I know school comes maybe easier 
For me, school did not come very easy for me. It did for my sister, though. School was not easy for me. I was a, you know, trying my hardest a B student, right? Mid, like, we're talking 85. But here's the deal. I went to a private Christian school, and we got graded on an 8-point scale instead of a 10-point scale. You know what that meant? That meant a 90 was a B. That meant a 91 was a B. A 92 was the lowest A you could get. Guys, it was so hard, right? An 80 was a C. It's crazy. And I struggled with this, right? Because here I am struggling in school, right? I'm trying my hardest, but I just can't seem to get to that next level that I thought I needed to get to. And here's my sister, never made a B in her life. Never, ever. She made a B for the first time in college in organic chemistry. You have no idea what that is, but it's like the hardest class you could probably ever take. And guys, I was so happy when she made a B. I'm just going to be honest with you. I tell you, she said, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. But guys, like all through middle school and high school, I'm, I'm comparing myself to my sister. I'm comparing myself to my sister saying, I just have to be better. If I want to live a life as, as a, a student that is happy, I just have to get here. Guys, my friends are doing better in school than me. And, and I just felt like, guys, if I just wanted to live a happy and fulfilled life. I had to be better. I had to do better. I just had to keep working, keep improving. But Jesus says that we need to be content with who we are. We need to be content with who he's made us to be. Now, side note, this is not an excuse for laziness. Not an excuse for laziness. But some of us are not made for the, the classroom, right? That, that's not our expertise, right? God has wired your brain a different way, right? You're someone who could go build something in a heartbeat. And that's great. Now, in the classroom, as you're in school, you still need to give your best effort, right? Because scripture still says, do all things for God. Honor God in all of your work, right? Do things with all of your strength. And so we got to do our best, but guys, sometimes our best isn't what someone else's best is. And the point here is, is we've got to get to a place where we're not comparing ourselves to other people. We have to realize who God made us to be and what he made us for and be content with that. Guys, not all of you are going to be an engineer. Not all of you are going to be physicists and scientists. Some of you, hey, you're going to be the guys out here operating these machines that are building the new building. Let me tell you, they make a lot of money. A lot of money. We got to be content with who God has made us to be. Now let's pause for a second. Right? Let's pause for a second. And let's think. Because I think we would all agree that things like peace, right? Having peace in our life. I think we would say that having peace in our life is a blessing. I don't think anyone in here would say that, hey, my life couldn't use a little bit more peace. That my life, right, like I, I, could, I could stand for my life to be a little less stressful. I'd be okay if my life was a little less anxious. I don't think anyone in here wants a life that is more stressful, more anxious, and less peace, right? We all want these things. Let me ask you another question. Just think of this in your mind, like what would it look like 
to live a life that was free of comparison, where you never compared yourself to someone else, and they never compared themselves to you. Right? Everyone was just content with who they are. There's no comparison. There's, there's no judgment. A life where you don't have to be more than you are. A life where you're enough. You're enough. Who you are is enough. So when I honestly think about this, right, I, I don't think it's that surprising that if Jesus, if we want to live a life that's content, Jesus is telling us that we have to be content. If we want to bless a happy, a fulfilled life, we have to be content. Because I don't know about you, but when I compare myself to other people, it doesn't lead to a happy life. Look at the Grinch. Was his life happy? He didn't live a happy and fulfilled life. He lived an angry life. Right? He... <laughs> He's comparing himself, and guys, it's easy when people are making fun of you, right? Someone's making fun of him, pointing things out, and so it's easy to compare ourselves. But he wasn't content with who God had made him to be. And we have to get to a place where we're content with who God's made us to be because comparison, man, that's going to eat at us. So if we're supposed to live a life that is content, that is uh, filled with meekness, what kills that? What, what keeps us from living a life that is content? And so I want to talk about two killers of meekness. Two killers of meekness. The first killer of meekness is greed. Greed. Right? You, you've probably heard this word before. Right? Greed is comparison. Right, greed is comparing yourself to someone else. It's jealousy, it's unsatisfaction. At the end of the day, it's lack of contentment. Wanting more. Wanting what someone else has. It, it's living a life where you never have enough. And I don't know about you, but I, I've lived a life like that. Where I just think things like, man, if only I had this. Hey, let's stop drawing on each other and pay attention. Thanks. Where I live a life where I think, man, if I could just have this one thing, I would be happy. I don't know about you, but I think about that a lot. I don't know if you've ever had that thought. Where I think, man, if I could just have the new pair of AirPods, a new pair of shoes. Man, if I could just get over the friend drama. If I could just make better grades, I'd be happy. I don't know, maybe, maybe you felt that way. But deep down, we all know that it's true that when we get that thing, it doesn't make us happy. We start thinking about the next thing we need to make us happy. And we live this cycle of wanting things and wanting things, and we're never content. We're never fully satisfied. The second killer of meekness is kind of on the opposite side of this, opposite of greed, and it's self-loathing. Self-loathing, now <laughs> that might be a big word. Self-loathing, again, is it's the same thing. It's lack of contentment. It's wishing that something would go away. Any of you have something that you wish would go away? Maybe a quality, a quirk, something about your personality that you don't like. Just something about you that you just wish God would change. And you say, man, if only this one thing would change, I would be happy. 
I don't know about you, but I've been there. Man, I wish I was more athletic. I wish I was smarter. Man, I, I don't know about you, but when I compare myself to other people, I find myself looking at myself saying, God, I wish you would change this about myself. I wish you would change this. Maybe then I'd be more popular. Maybe then I'd be happier and have more friends. But at the end of the day, what we see is comparison. Comparison kills meekness. When we compare ourselves to other people, we, we rid ourselves, we, we take away the opportunity for ourselves to live a life that's content. And what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5 is that when we're not content, we take away the opportunity for ourselves to truly live a life that is happy, a life that is fulfilled, a life that is blessed. What Jesus is saying here is happy and fulfilled are those who are content. Happy and fulfilled, blessed are those who don't compare themselves to other people. And that's really hard for us. Because we live in a society, right, that is all about comparison. You open up Instagram, and here's all these pictures, right? Up, oh, they went on a cooler vacation. Their fall break was cooler. Their summer was cooler. They look prettier. They have more followers. They got more likes. They got more comments, right? And so then we get, I'm just going to call it out. We get into this thing where we post our picture on the store, and we say, Ellen C., go like and comment my post, because I just want a bunch of fake fake people to go follow this, like this, and I just want people to go give me fake love. Same. All because I'm comparing myself. But hey, it starts out with, I want 100 followers. I want 100 likes. I want 25 comments. And then it doesn't stop there, right? We're comparing ourselves, and it just goes up and up and up from there. Because when we live in a world of comparison, greed and self-loathing, they fuel our hearts. But when we live a life that is content, Jesus says we can live a life that is blessed. So how do we go from living this life of comparison to a life that is content, a life that is defined by this word meekness? First thing that we have to do is we have to stop. Right? We have to stop comparing ourselves to others. That's a lot easier said than done, right? But each day you have to wake up and you have to say, hey, I'm going to stop comparing myself to the people around me on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm going to stop comparing. I'm going to decide to be content. And as we stop comparing ourselves to others, we have to start surrendering to who God made us to be. Surrendering to who God made us to be and surrendering to what God wants us to do. Guys, if, if we could surrender to who God made us to be and be content with who we are, who God made us as, if we could get that first part, things would drastically change in your life. If you could get to a place where you could say, God, thank you for making me the way you made me, I, I think you would begin to see a lot of improvements. And then that trickles down to being content with what God wants us to do. 
You know, when I was going through college, uh, I struggled, right? Uh, I'm with a lot of friends. One's an aerospace engineer. You don't know what that means, but that means he makes a lot of money. Makes a lot of money. A lot of business people, a lot of accountants, they make good money. But you know who doesn't make good money? Youth pastors! Woo! So I struggled, right? You know, I'm, someone will come up and ask me, my friends, hey, what are y'all studying for? And they're like, oh, I want to be a CEO of a business, or I want to own my own business, or do this. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to be a youth pastor. And they're like, ow, oh, next. And it's like, okay. But guys, I got to a place where I was content with what God wanted me to do, and that changed everything. Because I don't want to do anything else. I love what I do. I get to be around y'all. It's a pretty cool job. When we become content with who God made us to be and what God wants us to do, guys, our life will change. I'll give you another example. When I was in high school, I played football. And in between my junior, or after my junior season of football, we had like off-season workouts every single day. And my church, my youth group, had stuff on like Tuesdays and Thursdays during the week. We had like a Wednesday night thing, but we got out of practice and workouts early for that. But if I, if I went to workouts on Tuesday and Thursday, that meant I couldn't go to church on Tuesday and Thursday. And I was in a, a point in my life where things at home were not great. Relationship with my dad was really rocky. Relationship with my sister wasn't the best. Just home life, no bueno, not good. I really just wasn't, wasn't great. And I knew I needed to be at church because at church was my youth pastor. My youth pastor was like just this person that I could go and talk to and say, Peter, I, I'm just struggling today. Like, I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to respond to these things. I knew I needed to be at church. I knew God wanted me there. So what did that mean I had to do? It meant I had to go and tell my coach, hey, uh, yeah, I'm not coming to workouts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if any of you play sports, you know when you tell your coach you're not coming to something, it doesn't really go over well. And his words were, okay, well, you won't start next year. Man, that kind of stung. Because my whole high school career, I had worked up to this point. I knew that I was going to be starting my senior year. And what stood between me and starting was going to church doing what I knew God wanted me to do. And so what do you think I did? I went to church. I went to church. And guys, the reward that came from that. Guys, I, I still call my youth pastor to this day to get advice. Like My youth pastor came to Elizabeth and I's wedding because of the relationship that was built through these years. Long story short, get to senior year, and guess who starts? They didn't have anyone else. But no, guys, like, if, if I had just prioritized the other things, right? If I just said, I'm just going to go do sports because I want to be cool. The cool kids started on the football team. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be athletic and be defined by those things. And, man, what would I have sacrificed? But there was so much blessing that came out of me doing what I knew God wanted me to do in that moment. I don't know about you, but maybe you're in a place in your life where you need to start doing what God wants you to do. 
you're asking yourself, why does life just not seem happy? Why do I not seem satisfied? It's because you probably need to start doing what God wants you to do. Maybe you need to stop comparing yourself to other people. I don't know. But what I do know is God is a God that wants you to live a life that is happy. God designed you on purpose, for a purpose, right? He made zero mistakes when he made you. So let's trust God. Let's trust God and trust that when we're content with who we are, that he'll provide. Let's trust God that he will provide. Guys, one of the things that I love about the Beatitudes is as you look at each one, you see a part of the character of God. You see the character of God. God is a provider. And when we trust him, when we're content with who we are, and we trust that God will provide what we need, then he follows through because he's a provider. Right? Matthew 5 says that when we're content with who we are, no more, no less, that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. And so let's ask ourselves as we wrap up here, what are the things that cannot be bought? What about peace? You cannot buy peace. You cannot buy joy. You cannot buy love for other people and love for yourself. You cannot buy those things. You cannot buy patience. You cannot buy kindness or self-control. You can't buy those things. So what Jesus is saying is that when we become content, that's the moment that God provides these things. And so maybe for you tonight, maybe that's the next step for you is to begin trusting God, to begin trusting that, hey, if I will be content, God will provide. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this night. We thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for the words that you speak to us in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are content. Jesus, uh, sorry, but those aren't easy words for us. Those are hard. It's hard to be content. And God, I know that oftentimes I'm not content on a day-to-day basis. And so God, I just ask that you'd forgive me. I don't know, maybe there's some students here tonight, Lord, that are in the same boat where... They're looking for the next thing to make them happy. They're searching for happiness and fulfillment. They so desperately want to be happy. They're looking all over for it. Lord, I pray that they would hear your words. Blessed are those who are content. Help us to be content and fix our eyes on you. Help us to come to a place where we trust you. And trust that you'll provide. God, again, it's not easy, so just help us with this, please. God, what I do know is that you love these students. You love them so much. And I thank you for that. And I pray that they would know that each and every day. I pray that they would know that you're walking with them each day as they walk through the halls of school. As they struggle with homework and take tests. I pray that they would know that you're with them. And that you care about them. You care about the good things in their life. 
You care about the things that they struggle with as well. So, Lord, I pray for any student tonight, Lord, that may not have a relationship with you, that you would just encourage them to turn to you. Encourage them to run to you and say, God, I trust you. I love you. Start to have your way in my life. I want to be content. I want to be happy and fulfilled. And Jesus, I know for me to do that, I have to have you. So Lord, as we go into small groups tonight, Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to speak to these students and challenge them. Challenge them exactly the ways that they need to be. Speak to them exactly how they need to hear your voice. Lord, I pray for our leaders, that you'd give them wisdom to speak to these students. Lord, bring us back in two weeks ready to just keep digging into your word and having a whole lot of fun. In your name we pray. Amen.